0: It doesn't feel like fall yet, but the crowd's beginning to look like fall. I'm glad to... Where y'all been? I'm glad. Welcome, welcome back, and it's good to have you here this morning uh, in worship, especially those who have been traveling a lot this summer. Glad to have you back. Wayne, you're back with us. How's that knee coming along? Coming along, all these folks, and uh, getting back here. Roy's back over there in his corner. Um, Good to see all of you as we come for this time of worship. Speaking of folks that are recovering and are having various ailments, um, Terry Church is home from the hospital after a week, um, dealing with severe blood clots in his leg. Uh, Lynn Kinnamore is home following surgery, and Merle State is in our Greer Hospital um, dealing with a kidney stone. So remember these folks in your in your prayers. Uh, but it is good to see you, and we hope that we'll see you again later today. We have at 5.30 our um, um, ice cream social. We invite you to bring some sweets or an ice cream churn and, and help us as we celebrate a time of fellowship together. Um, that r- will be an opportunity also for several things to happen. For one thing, we'll be introducing you to some new church members, and so we especially invite our new church members to be present, uh, to be introduced. It will also be an occasion to look at what is going to be offered in the fall months um, for Bible studies at the church, so we hope you will be here this evening. Uh, Youth will be coming to the ice cream social, and then they will be having uh, activities for youth following the ice cream um, today. Next Sunday we will be having a special service a fifth Sunday service aimed at helping us get our two worshiping communities together. Uh, There are some wonderful folks who come to the 9 o'clock service who do not know you wonderful folks that come to the 11 o'clock service and we want to have uh, as many occasions as we can during the year to, um, to let you all get to know each other. So sometimes we meet here at 10 o'clock, sometimes we meet down there. Next week we'll be meeting in the Family Life Center at 10 o'clock for contemporary worship style uh, worship experience. And we invite you to be there for that. There will be nothing here except you at 11 o'clock. If you come at 11 o'clock next Sunday. Uh, so keep that in mind you may want that who knows Uh, so anyway um, lots of other important announcements in your bulletin hope you will read your bulletin as you have time to do so and now let us worship God together standing, let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward, join Beverly Davis for a few moments of sharing.
1: to be back in school? You are? Did any of you have to go to a new school, a different school this this year? You still in the same building? You didn't move from Duncan to uh, Beach Springs? That's next year? (laughs) Well, when I was getting ready to think about what I wanted to say today, I was looking through some things, and you know what I found? Some notes I had made when I did this about 10 years ago, and it was the day that the third graders were getting their Bibles, and you, John and Julia, you'll be going in third grade, right? You'll be getting Bibles next week. How about you, Sarah? Are you, you're going second grade? Second. Well, that made me think about something. I found this Bible. This is the one that was given to me when I went into third third grade. It's kind of worn out looking, isn't it? I hope your Bible is, too, when, you're, when it's 68 years old. But anyway, that's not exactly what I'm going to talk about today. When, even though you stayed in the same school, do you have some different kids in your class this year that you didn't know before? Yeah. Have you made friends with them? How do you make friends with people? You'll be nice to them. Sometimes there's, you might call, does your teacher ever say, pass this over to your neighbor? Or, and what does she mean? To the, to, to the person next to you. And that might be somebody you know, but it might not be, huh? You know, there, it's a, a quote from the Bible. This is Jesus' words. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second most important is love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Another word for neighbor might be friend. How do you when you see somebody that's new like that, what do you notice about them? What they look like, right? What they look like? Yeah? Maybe what they got on, maybe they got a shirt that's something like you like you might like. Years and years ago, when our oldest son, and he this is a long time ago, he was in first grade, he and the little boy next door were in our house and I heard them talking. And they were talking about some of the people that they knew at school. Particularly, they were talking about their teachers. And Johnny said he had the best teacher because she was young and pretty. Well, she was young because I knew it was her first year of teaching. And, and she was pretty, too. And he was kind of making fun of our Jeff's teacher. He said she was old and ugly. <laughs> well, she was up in years. This was, in fact, this was the last year she taught. She retired at the end of that year. And she probably would have been the first person to admit that she never won a beauty prize. Well, I was so proud of Jeff when I heard him say, she may not be beautiful on the outside, but she's beautiful on the inside, and that's that's what counts. Jeff grew up to be a geologist, and I'm not surprised because when he was little, he was always picking up stones and talking about them. And some stones are pretty and some aren't. Do you think that's very pretty? Hmm? You think that's pretty? Just looking at that part, that's the outside of it. Is that pretty to you? Well, when that stone was cut open, this is what was on the inside. Is that pretty to you? And that's the way people are. Sometimes we don't see the best on the outside, but when we get to know them, and we get to know them from the inside. We find out that they're the very best friends we could have ever had, aren't they? Aren't they? But, you know, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And to be a friend, you have sometimes have to go out of your way to look for the best in other people. And I hope you'll do that this year in school. Look for the best in, each, in everybody that you meet. And tonight, when you come here for ice cream, maybe you'll meet somebody new then. Look for the best in them, too, as well as the best ice cream. Let us pray. I want you to pray with me. Dear God, thank you for our family and friends. Help us to be good friends to our classmates at school. and to others that we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Old Testament lesson is from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 71, found on page 794 of your hymnal. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage together. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness
2: deliver me and
0: rescue me. your dear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have been from my birth. It was you who took me from my old womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been an example to many, for you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with
2: your grace and with your glory all the
0: day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent.
2: For my enemies speak
0: concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together, saying, God has forsaken him, pursue and seize him, for
2: there is no deliverer.
0: O God, be not far from me. epistle reading is from Hebrews 12, verses 18 through 29. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it beg that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all people, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we when we turn away from him? Who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Here ends the lesson. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. It is hard for us to understand how you could know each one of us as very deeply as you told Jeremiah that you know your children. That before our birth, before we were formed in the womb, when we were simply an idea in your, in your mind, you have known us and loved us. What great joy you must have, Father, at planning and giving birth to your children and how amazed we are with so many millions of us here on this planet now, that you knew each one of us when we existed only in your thoughts. We are so thankful for your great plan for us. We are thankful to know that we are all the results of your careful planning and love We're grateful for our lives, that we are alive at this point in time in the history of your creation. We pray that you might use us as you dreamed that you could best use us in the lives of each other and in the lives of of other children who need your love and care this day. And how thankful we are that we have heard from heaven Not fearful words that frighten us, but from the voice of Jesus himself, who came from your throne of grace to teach us about life and to show us the depth of your love for us by giving himself every day for your children And then ultimately giving himself on the cross as a ransom for many. And we are thankful that we have heard from on high that you love us and care for us and have redeemed us and separated us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. You have pardoned us and forgiven us And called us in union with Christ to be a part of your family forever. We come with joy this day to proclaim this good news to one another and to our community. We gather together today with a great deal of excitement to be a part of your community together. To express our love for you and to hear once again of your deep love for us. We are thankful for this. And Lord, we're thankful that Jesus comes to us when life causes us to be bent over in pain or bent over from carrying a heavy load, and Jesus speaks the word that straightens us out again and again. And we're thankful for this. Lord, we remember our friends in special times of need. We remember those who are healing from surgery or illness. We remember those who are recovering from times of grief and loneliness. We remember those who are seeking a way in life some who are seeking spiritual life, others who perhaps are seeking for direction, what to do with their lives. We are thankful, Lord, that the one who made them knows why you made us. Lead them into the truth. Heal those that are sick. Encourage those that are struggling. We pray these things in the name of Jesus as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us worship God by giving. Now our gospel reading from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed On those days, not on the Sabbath, the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Here ends the lesson. Sometimes in some of the philosophical discussions that I take part in, at some of our local fine dining establishments, Someone will invariably say something about somebody needing to be straightened out. Someone's thoughts on some subject are twisted or their actions are bizarre. So bizarre that they need straightening out, somebody will say. Then somebody will say, why, you're so crooked, I don't think even wood mortuary could straighten you out. To which the final thought will be added Why, you're so twisted that when you die, they'll be able to screw you into the ground like a screw instead of bury you. Ah, it is such exciting debates like this that keep me going to the local Waffle House. Well, the story in the gospel today tells us about a time when Jesus literally straightened a woman out in the synagogue And as my friend George Reiser pointed out to me this week when we were talking about this, he straightened this woman out, but he left the synagogue leader all bent out of shape once it was over. The New Revised Standard Version of the Bible uses a very interesting wording to describe this woman's condition. She had a spirit that had been crippling her for 18 years, it says. Now, I recognize that this is the biblical way of expressing that that they believed in those days that all illnesses um, could be traced to unseen spirits and demons. But I still find that wording very interesting. She had a spirit that had crippled her. Because I know lots of people that are physically well, but nevertheless they have a spirit about them that continues to cripple them. And you know some people like that as well. I know people who are extremely lonely, but they don't realize that they are so because they've driven away everybody that ever cared about them by their crippling spirit. Just the other day, I heard about a lady who was offended when she received a word of encouragement from someone. How dare they think that I needed a word of encouragement? Well, these people have a spirit that cripples them. They say that nobody cares for them when, in fact, they've hurt everybody who's ever tried to care for them. Thanks be unto God that Christ can straighten out these kinds of people, replacing their crippled, mean spirits with loving attitudes. No one has to remain crippled by their attitudes in life. But the lady in the story here in the synagogue appears to be someone who had some type of a a physical illness that crippled her. Something like arthritis maybe, or perhaps a herniated disc, or perhaps she had what we now call scoliosis. At any rate, she was very bent over, walking with her back so badly bent that she almost stared straight down at the ground as she walked along. Now, if you've ever had any back pain at all in your lives, as many of us have, you can sympathize with this dear woman who never had any relief from the pain in her back and who had no hope left of ever finding any relief. But like so many people who have met Jesus, she found a source of hope that she didn't know was even possible. And as we hear this story, we hear two of Luke's particular uh, emphases again. The first being that Jesus cared very deeply for those that were overlooked and were lowly of society, especially women that were lowly in standing in those days. And the second thing that Luke liked to emphasize is that Jesus often healed people before they asked him for anything. He took the initiative to reach out to those who needed him Before they ask. Jesus noticed the woman in the back. And he took the initiative apparently before she could ask anything. Asking her to come forward for healing. You know Jesus takes the initiative with you and me also. We often say things like I found the Lord. He wasn't the one that was lost. The real truth is we were found by the Lord who came looking for us, who took that initiative to find us. There's something else here that I noticed that I find very interesting in this story, and that is that Jesus rarely prayed during his acts of healing. Now, your pastor comes to your hospital room, and you expect your pastor to pray for you. But Jesus, the man of great prayer we know, usually did not pray for the sick that he healed. Instead, he spoke directly to them, or in some cases to the illness itself. Remember at the funeral of the son of the widow of Nain that we looked at a few weeks ago? Jesus spoke directly to the dead man. Young man, I say to you, get up. In the story today, Jesus called this woman to the front of the synagogue and then spoke directly to her. Woman, You are set free from your illness. Immediately she was set free and began praising God, probably very excitedly and and loudly. I'm certainly not suggesting that we stop praying for one another, but I'm wondering if you and I are aware of just how powerful our words are when we speak to one another, words of faith and affirmation. Our words carry such power of health and healing to one another, if we would only be aware of that. In our communion service, there is a place where after we have confessed our sins to God, we say to one another, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Do you hear yourself when you say that? Do you hear your friend saying that to you? More importantly, do you really believe it? In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Do you receive that blessing that, that you ought to embrace with joy every time we say it? And at the end of every worship service, your pastor dismisses you with some blessing. I hope you soak in those words that you hear. I very often use this uh, benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus, that undeserved, not able to be earned acceptance given to you by Jesus, may that be with you. The love of God, that unending, inexhaustible, relentless love of Almighty God, go with you. The uh, the communion of the Holy Spirit, that is that close, walking along beside of you, constant presence of God, may that be with you. These are powerful words, and they don't just mean to go out and start your engines and race the Baptist to the restaurants. It really means something when we hear those words, or it should. It really does mean something when we say to our Spouses, or to our children, you know, I love you. When you greet a friend and extend them your love and care, it really is powerful. I have one friend, and only one friend, who says these words to me, but he says it consistently every time we talk. He always ends the conversation by saying, Be good to yourself. What a blessing! Be good to yourself. Our words are so powerful. One time years ago at a reform school I was working in during, my, during a summer during college, I told a wayward youth that I really cared about him. That 14-year-old tough guy blew up and started crying in my presence. And he said, you be quiet. Stop that talk. Nobody cares about me. But he was different toward me from that day on. He knew I cared. Our words are powerful. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will make or break us. So let us continue praying for one another, especially for those in hospitals. But please never forget the lesson that Jesus taught every time he healed someone. Our words of faith, which we speak to one another, can raise us up from the deadness of our existence to new life. Our words carry healing to one another. Jesus often ran into trouble because he never would take a day off. He worked seven days a week for his God when that was necessary. The Sabbath was a day of spiritual reflection and rest for Jesus, but that didn't mean that his day of rest would be an excuse to let somebody else suffer if he had the power to do something to relieve that suffering. You know, you and I still take our dogs out for walks on the Sabbath, no matter how strict the church is that we go to. The strictest folks in Jesus' day still fed and watered their livestock on the Sabbath. But those same folks criticized Jesus for doctoring on the Sabbath, and they criticized the people that received his doctoring on the sabbath there are six other days to seek healing the leader of the synagogue said scolding the sick woman come on one of those days to be healed not the sabbath perhaps that's why jesus responded so quickly to this criticism it wasn't even aimed at him but rather at this poor sick woman who hadn't stood up straight in 18 years so jesus came to her defense very quickly as Jesus will come to our defense. For you see, for Jesus, Sabbath rules were never meant to prohibit us from doing good deeds to one another. It's an almost laughable thing, this situation in the synagogue. A great miracle has just taken place. Something that does not happen every day has just occurred. A crippled woman can now stand up straight and tall again, but this synagogue pastor is all upset because he thinks one of the rules has been violated. You know, there was another occasion when Jesus healed a man who had been born blind but because this miracle occurred on the Sabbath, the temple leaders, the high priests, decided that Jesus could not possibly have come from God because he bent the rules. (laughs) Laughable indeed. And I would laugh at those Leaders, if I hadn't made the same mistakes myself, I too have on occasion taken offense when God chose to do things in ways that violated my own sense of order and dignity. I will admit to you, I'm very frightened by emotions. I like to keep things calm. But sometimes people react very emotionally and loudly when they are touched by God's grace. And I go home and take a huge nerve pill when that happens. It seems that Jesus and God will violate our normal rules and protocols when it comes to healing one of God's children in body or soul. Jesus seemed to think that we take better care of our pets than we do of our neighbors. Verse 17 makes a statement that reminds us that Jesus is one whose coming polarized the community. People were divided over him. His opponents were humiliated by what he had to say. His followers, however, were delighted with the wonderful things that Jesus did in their lives. This polarization would continue to deepen and in time the support of the vast majority of people for Jesus would be overruled by the opposition from a very small number of people in power, the religious leaders in Jerusalem and the ruling politicians, along with the Roman authorities, would unite to crucify Jesus, and the masses of the people would be powerless to stop that. And I don't think things really changed that much in our world today. Jesus still delights people with the wonderful things he will do in their lives, but sometimes others of us find that to be a bit threatening and his opponents still rise up to oppose what he's trying to do. Jesus will always work through his church and you and me when he can, but Jesus has never been limited to using only his church. Don't you wish in hindsight that the church had taken a more active part 50 years ago in breaking down the walls of racial segregation in our country so that the Supreme Court didn't get the credit for doing what we Christians should have done. We should have been taking lead in that day on social issues, but we were not. Author Ann Rice recently sent shockwaves in the direction of all of us in organized religion When she declared that she would remain committed to Jesus as much as always, but she was done with the church and with Christianity. It is simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group, she declared, and she's hardly alone in her sentiments. Because of our inability to love people like Jesus does. We're in danger of being ignored by people all around us who are still very attracted to Jesus. It's just his followers today that they don't like very much. I'm afraid that you and I may end up playing the part of the synagogue ruler and be humiliated while people are delighted with all the wonderful things that Jesus is doing all around us. Lord, we are bent over. Straighten us out. Thanks be unto God that Jesus comes to us, taking the initiative to seek us out, calling us into his presence to heal our spirits that cripple us, bending rules when necessary to heal us, And may we learn to love like Jesus loves, even if in the process it carries us to a cross. Amen.